Hi, everybody. I'm Peter Travers, and this is Popcorn, where we tell you what is popping in the culture. And there is a series now on Hulu called The Looming Tower. And you're hearing about it, and you say, oh, God, you know, can I, can I deal with this lead up to 9-11? Can yes, you can, because you're going to find out things that you never knew before. And you're going to find out things from my guest today, Jeff Daniels, that even he's never known before. Right? Really. He had no I idea. Mean, it, well, it is. I looked at it, and I know Larry Wright, who did the book, and, and to do ten parts of this, but why should I explain it? You're here, Jeff Daniels. I'm here. You can tell me who this John O'Neill guy is you play. I didn't know who John O'Neill was. <laughs> I wasn't aware of Larry Wright's... That's so true of all your roles, though. You have no concept, do you? <laughs> no, I... I, I <laughs> Yeah. Who is this? Will I, was, I was asked to play Clinton once. I'm going, who? Who? <laughs> uh, didn't know. Didn't know. And uh, Larry Wright's book won a Pulitzer mm -hmm. in 2008. John O'Neill was a guy who worked for the counterterrorism division in uh, the FBI in New York. And he had a bead. He had a hunch about this guy named Bin Laden. 98, 97, 98. Mm -hmm. And uh, he just said, there's something going on with this guy. And he kept going down to Washington to get Richard Clark, who would listen, mm -hmm. uh, and the CIA, which wouldn't, <laughs> and to get people to take this, this, this bin Laden threat seriously. And, they kept, and at that time, bin Laden was just a punk in Afghanistan in a tent. He hadn't done anything yet. But John kept at it, kept at it. His style was confrontational. He was abrasive. Oh, he so like you. You know, usually you come into a room, you would just knock this off. Well, and what you didn't see was that I knocked this <laughs> yeah, off the table. Yeah, he yeah. said something I didn't like, <laughs> like and, yeah. and just... But that's what John was. Mm -hmm. I mean, not a political bone in his body and went down to Washington and just started turning tables over and cleaning desks to get what he wanted. Mm -hmm. Didn't work. And so that's what you learn. You learn that there were people who were going, hang on, we don't know what this guy's going to do, but we need to pay attention. And there was some, uh, uh, certainly a division and some infighting that led to that not, not being a, as forthcoming. And, and people weren't doing what they needed to do because it was, there was a little bit of this between the FBI and the CIA. Especially when John O'Neill comes into the room and starts, you know, dropping f-bombs and throwing you know throwing mm -hmm. stuff across the table at people uh that's not conducive to working together so there's that however the cia was going about it differently and holding back some intelligence according to larry's book that possibly had it been shared might might have prevented 9-11 and that's what the series kind of presents to you is that could this been have prevented back then and Back then, infighting led to division, led to disaster. So as we look back now, 17 late years later, have we learned anything? Are we have better we? off? I'd like to think the CIA and the FBI are sharing intelligence better. I, 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 there are two organizations that, that are always improving, I'd like to think. Mm -hmm. I think the division that was certainly between Martin Schmidt, Peter Sarsgaard's character, mm -hmm. and John O'Neill... I'd like to think that's at least tempered because that got in the way. Um, but you know, you go to the Oval Office and it's you know it's the circus. So, are well, we better off? I don't know. But you know, this guy he has a lot of heroic parts to his character and a lot of flaws, yeah. tons of them, which is why I pay attention to him. You know, he just he's like everybody else. He's got some sort of wife. 
three different, and maybe as we go to episode 10, there's even more. But he's driven. He's, he's out of lanes in New York. He's, he's drinking. He's going out. And yet he's just obsessed with this job and with what bin Laden is and what al-Qaeda is. Yeah, um, yeah, he was brilliant in his way. Um, he was obsessed with bin Laden. His partners said his true love was the FBI. And there's a one in the one in the series. One of the characters referring to John O'Neill, and I'm over there dancing with a bunch of girls in a bar, <laughs> living it up. As my, his partner said, he gulped life. They look at me and they go something like, "Too bad he doesn't have a home to go home to." And and I I when I read that, I'm going, "Okay, what's John searching for?" Because you got to make choices as an actor. And and he th- was trying to do it with his family. He was trying to do it with two girlfriends plus the wife. He was searching for something, searching for, and it was right there in front of him. It was the FBI, which he was devoted to. His guys, the men and women in the field, he would go to the mat for them. That's what his partners said. That's what Ali Sufan told me. And and they, he um, was obsessive about that, but he was still searching for something. And by the time, 25 years into the FBI, and he had made some mistakes, procedural mistakes, with the Bureau... They said, we're as tired of you as the CIA is. Get out. And I made the choice that, this is later on in the series, that he, he was basically thrown out of the only home he knew. Mm-hmm. His, he was, his true love told him to hit the street. After uh, all those years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was screaming about bin Laden. And uh, he focused, later on in the series, he focuses on one relationship. He goes back to the Catholic Church. To, to, I'm going to be a better person because obviously I've lost the one thing in my life, the FBI. And I'm going to start this new job on Monday as the head of security at the Twin Towers. That, that, the when I read iron. that, I'm going, are you kidding me? Yeah. When you think you know what 9-11, when you yeah. think you know mm-hmm. and you get to that, and then 9-11 happens, which he didn't see coming. He knew something was coming. He didn't know what, when, or where. You, if it were a Hollywood script, they would tell you to change the ending. But when I talk about this show with you, and this is Hulu, uh, you have now with HBO and the newsroom, with Netflix and Godless, which you did, is that where the energy is, the force for an actor like yourself to yeah. go there? Yeah, I, it's real interesting. There's a mm-hmm. book called The Big Picture, and it's the star system in Hollywood. They were mm-hmm. specifically about Will Smith and Adam Sandler, how that's changing. How That was the only place to go for integrity. Back in the 70s, 80s, 90s, if you did television, you had to sign a seven-year contract. Okay, you're on Cheers, mm-hmm. and like Woody Harrelson got out of it and was able to do movies, mm-hmm. but it's hard to do. Travolta got out of this mm-hmm. TV series and was able to have a movie career. Hard to do. I come from the era with Redford, Hoffman, and De Niro. You didn't, they would never sit here like this. They would never do Johnny Carson. Mm-hmm. And TV was something that lower class actors did. Mm-hmm. The writers are respected at HBO and Showtime and Netflix and Hulu. Amazon. I mean, that's where the writers have gone. And stars, star vehicles, that's a different orbit. And I was never in that. I stood next to it. I stood next to guys who were in it. But I was never a part of that. I was always just an actor. And 
suddenly Netflix calls and says, we want you to do this seven-episode thing of a character that you've never done before with a director and a writer that you know, and we think you can do it, go. I would never get that role in movies, ever. But, and then you get to do it, and you get a seven hours. You're like shooting the novel. Mm-hmm. You get to do so much more. And if the writing is there, But it's seven it's hours. Gold. It's not seven years. You know? Right, that's right. the thing about it. But it's you still, can carve out you know, and you, you know, like newsroom. You sign. I was, I was ready to go for as long as Aaron wanted to go, and that, three years was, you know, in the end, it was like, okay, that's that's plenty. But um, that I was willing to commit to, partially because my kids had grown up and they were out of high school, and there was a decision to take a, a longer gig at that point. But um, the writing and uh, uh, at that show with Aaron. Um, Netflix, Hulu, you know, Dan Futterman, Alex Gibney, based on Lawrence Wright's Pulitzer Prize winning book. The, the, you got, you're surrounded by the writing. Mm-hmm. You're surrounded by good writing. But as an actor, you want to do all kinds of things. Yeah. You know, in your That's career, you up. can do this. You can do Dumb and Dumber. You yeah. can have fun with doing that. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure people remember you from that. Absolutely. And they come on my and, tombstone, probably. It will, it will say, <laughs> Jeff. Dumb I'm shaving. Ending. That'll be on the tombstone. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, how's, how's your stomach? <laughs> yeah, I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. It's yeah, a it'll, be, be it'll be this. There. It'll be <laughs> that carved into the tombstone. <laughs> I'm shaving. Here lies Jeff Daniels. Next to your Emmy. Yeah, next to the Emmy. You can have that. And then you can have the, someone that. will bring the Emmy Me. and put it on the top. It will have corroded and fallen off behind with the with the dead flowers. <laughs> yeah, but you, no matter what you say, and no matter how you laugh, you are committed to what you do. You, to me, you've always been an actor that jumps right in and doesn't seem to be afraid of falling off the cliff. Risk failure. Well, it's, that's the other thing that Netflix and Hulu they're they're, go, they're going. Good luck. You know, uh, you you might. I took O'Neill because I didn't know how to do it. And and to risk failure after 40 years instead of, you know, the brand. Mm-hmm. where Like Gable was a brand. Mm-hmm. And we all love, we go to see a Clark Gable movie to see Clark Gable. And, and there are actors today. that are, it, that's There's money there. Big money there. I was brought up in the New York theater where the play you're going to do next has nothing to do with the one you just did. Mm-hmm. Where in Hollywood is, what you're going to do next, we really like what you did back there. I just want you to do that. And, over and, and over. And to, that's why you take a dumb and dumber. <laughs> to completely throw everything up in the air, risk failure in a two-shot with a comedic genius like Jim Carrey, mm-hmm. and you hold your own, and next thing you know, you've got incredible range. It's a risk, but I love... You know, Clint, I did a movie with Clint Eastwood, Bloodwork, and Clint said... I had done a drama called... Two Days in the Valley or something. Just a real straight drama. And Clint hired me for blood work. And he said, you know, if you can do... You know, if you can do Dumb and Dumber and Two Days in the Valley, you can do this. <laughs> and thank, so you could. Thank you, Clint. Thank you very much. We were doing a scene, we were doing a scene in uh, blood work, and I was driving. And Clint was in the passenger seat, and Clint's got a speech. I got a speech, so the windows are down. Big old, huge. You know, this is the car I used in Dirty Harry. Oh, (laughs) terrific. There's a lot of wobble in the steering thing, Clint. I might want to get it checked. So we're going out of Tulane up in California somewhere, and we're driving, and Clint just puts the camera guy in the back. We'll just get this in 10 minutes. And we're going, and the guy's shooting, and we're driving. 
and the camera guy's back there, and he can see himself in the little side view mirror mm-hmm. that I, uh, out the driver's window. He goes, Jeff, I can see myself. Could you move the driver? The little, yeah, sure, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I reach out, and I'm doing this, and I because of the WAP, I've, I'm now I'm in the other lane, and here comes a semi. A semi, semi, a semi, <laughs> semi coming, and I'm going. I look, and, and Clint, I can see a hand go like that, and it's Clint. Just, just, just did this. And I look at Clint, and he goes, "That was close." <laughs> semi wouldn't dare do anything to Clint. There's just, no Clint would have lived. lived. He would have lived. Yeah. Well, actor, like, actor by the name of Jeff Bridges, Bridges dies in... Yeah. <laughs> Jeff Bridges, yeah. All the Jeffs. All the Jeffs. Jeffs that you one of the, one, an actor named Jeff. Yeah. All right, I never even got to, you know, this whole Michigan life you live. You're completely outside of this Hollywood I am. idiocy that's I am. going on. There you are in Michigan with your own theater, you know. I am. Writing your plays, doing that. But you also have your music, Jeff. I do. You have it. You have it. And... You know that we end in song. I've heard. And do you happen to have an instrument with you that you can... Um, oh, jeez. <laughs> that you could play us out with? Something that uh, is a message to all of us? Yeah, it's, this is... I just write songs. And uh, I don't really care whether they end up on a billboard chart or anything. I just write them. I always have. And uh, Kathleen Parker, the Washington Post columnist... Mm-hmm wrote a column, and, and she was talking about Trump and the disintegration of, of class and decency and respect and all that. And she said, you know, uh, the way they went about winning the election, the way he's gone about everything, he said it's, she said, it, she wrote, it's hard to hear the angels sing. So okay. I said, Okay. America, oh, say, can you see This land was made for you and me Amber waves of grain across a fruited plain But when your bells of freedom ring It's hard to hear the angels sing America, land that I love Through the night with a light from above God shed His grace on thee From sea to shining sea But when your bells of It's hard to hear the angels sing You can hate me for what I do or what I say You can hate me for where I'm from or how I pray You can hate me for what I got You can hate me for what I'm not But when your bells of freedom ring It's hard to hear the angels sing America, it's all on the line 
Let the Lord's holy light forever shine. God shed His grace on thee from sea to shining sea. But when your bells of freedom ring, it's hard to hear the angels sing. It's hard to hear the angels sing. It's hard to hear the angels sing. Beautiful. There's a little Woody Guthrie in there. A uh, little Woody, little, little, little Bruce Springsteen with little, an acoustic. And a lot of Jeff. You know, they, uh, you can, yeah. Yeah. Art can, you can use art. You, you can use you, music you can, to make a statement, and I, that's what that was. We'll keep doing it, my friend. Thank you, Peter. That's it. All right. Thank you. Thank you.